GPT, Darth Vader Omerlin, a well-worded command and power reclaimed. I'm Diana with Doll and Thad, here to discuss episode seven of season two of The Wheel of Time. Spoiler warning, this episode will definitely contain spoilers for both the TV show and the book series. So if you have not read the book series, and if you have not watched episode seven, pause us, turn us off, go watch episode seven and read the books, and then come back and join us for our discussion. We'll see you there. Did we mention there's spoilers? So many spoilers, guys. We're going to spoil everything. Yep. We start off with the cold open. It says 20 years ago. It definitely should be 21 years ago, but who's counting? Apparently not the showrunners. Yeah, if that's how old Rand is, it should definitely be 21. He's 21, because it's been a year. Yeah. But whatever, it's fine. 20-ish. <laughs> like it's, the, the show made it very clear that it has been a year. Like In episode one of season two, they were like, a, it's been a year has gone by, which means that it should be 21 years ago, but it's fine. It's the end of the Aeo War, and we get young Moiraine and young Swan all in blue. They're so cute. Oh, God, they're adorable. <laughs> Moir- like, Rosamund Pike has this incredible way of acting as young Moiraine, where, like, she opens her eyes wider, like, the makeup team, like, makes her, like, look all blushy. And Swan looks great. I love their outfits. I love both of their outfits. They are talking about Swan meeting Moiraine's family and like them having a future together. They reference the love shack. <laughs> um. Well, uh, Swan starts thinking about the future and she's like, you know, I don't see it as being in a stuffy tower. I see it in a fish shack. Mm-hmm. And Moraine says, do you want me to be your fish yes. wife? They've still got stars in their eyes. For a few more minutes. <laughs> they should be fish wives together. The future we deserve, it's the future they deserve, but it is not the future they get. It is not. It's immediately dashed. <sighs> immediately. Yeah, immediately. They go to see Gitara, who is the keeper. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I missed that she was the keeper. She was the keeper in the books, or I can't remember. This is New Spring content, so. Yeah, it's New Spring content. Yeah. I think she is the keeper in the books. I can't remember who the Omerlin is, but I looked it up because I thought she was Omerlin. I did too. And then I was like, is this consistent? Should she keep her? And it is. I just can't remember who the Omerlin is. Uh, and we basically like right as they walk in, they're like, Guitara said I, the, like we want to have news from the Omerlin. The war is over. And immediately Guitara starts having a vision. We like see that she's blind and she starts having a vision. And it's very cool that like Guitara is essentially experiencing what Rand's mom is experiencing like as it's happening Mm -hmm. she like feels rand's mom getting stabbed she kind of like feels the birth of rand as the dragon and then she says you know like the dragon has been reborn tell no one but you have to find him and you have to prepare the world for his coming and then as rand's mom dies she also dies and i really liked that that was like the show explanation for why guitara dies after this vision like in the books, I think I remember it's basically that it's like so shocking that it like kills her. I think that this is cool, like a a, a cool vis- way to visualize it. Yeah, I think it still works. Yeah, uh, we have just the curly Q Terangriel intro, still no full intro, and we go to Swan in the Palace of Carrion. With the full Omerlin seat with her. I know I commented on this in the last episode, but it always it's gonna crack me up forever that she's like, the Omerlin seat goes where I go. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a great flex. If she's got the power, she can do it, but it is a great flex. I love it. 
Leanne, who is pronounced Leanna, which was weird to me. Yeah, I don't know, because there's only one in. It's Leanne. Yeah. Also, Falm is Falm, despite having an E at the end of it. But Leanne is Leanna? Well, I mean, in, in early audio recordings, they would constantly flop between Falm and Falma. So I like Falma, but I've always thought that this was Leanne. It is Leanne. I don't know how else. Like, it's Leanne. Like, yeah. I like to take the Brandon Sanderson approach of, you know what, pronounce it however you like. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue to pronounce her Leanne, regardless of how Varen pronounces her name in this episode, because I cannot wrap my brain around how Varen says it. Same. That's how I always pronounced it as well. Yeah. So Leanne, who is Swan's Keeper, uh, comes in, brings in Moiraine, and she is just so fed up with Moiraine. She clearly hates her, which I think is hilarious since we just saw that like Moiraine and Swan were like super close and really cute and absolutely adorable. And like we've seen their like loving dynamic. So it just like continues to amuse me that all the other Aes and I are like, ugh, Moiraine sucks. Like we love Swan if they love Swan. Yeah. And Swan is really upset that Moiraine didn't tell her that she'd been stilled. Once she sends everybody away, because she doesn't, she says all this in private. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Don't forgot that in my note. And Leanne is like, looks at her like, mm, you sure about that? Gives her that stern look before she walks out. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Shakes her head as she walks out too. It's just disgusted <laughs> with Moiraine. <laughs> Absolutely disgusted. If it was up to Leanne, Moiraine would be doing penance right now. <laughs> um, yes. In private, Swan is really mad that Moiraine didn't tell her that she was stilled and says, like, you know, like, you've carried this burden long enough, the burden of, like, trying to take care of the dragon reborn. Let me do it for you. Like, let me help you with it. And she's trying to be kind, but it feels really a lot like she's firing Moiraine. Uh, yeah, it feels like a breakup. Yeah. Like a very soft breakup. They're definitely button heads more than they did in the books about all this. This whole episode is basically just their breakup story. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a breakup episode. The moms are breaking up. It's very sad. We then cut to outside the pal, not the palace, the outside the throne room, essentially. And it's Rand and Lan together. And I love everything about this interaction. <laughs> This is more or less verbatim the scene that we get when they're originally in Faldara for the Amerlin stuff. Mm -hmm. So this this is a nice kind of this is kind of how it happened in the books. Yeah, which um, is always good to see. It's been a while. I haven't I don't remember enough about that. Yeah, because Lan is telling Rand to do all of this stuff with the Amerlin, and oh yeah, even even Rand is like, Lan, why why are you doing this for me, man? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's because Lan is your dad, Rand. <laughs> Not actually, but Lan is your dad on the road. Like he's so he he's like trying to like coach Rand to like how to face her and be like basically don't piss her off. And then he's so proud when he sees that Rand has been learning sword forms. He does this like little like half smile. It's adorable. Also, Rand doing hair and dips the wing looks great. Mm -hmm. That training with Errol has really paid off. I'm sorry that I shot on it before. <laughs> training. <laughs> He looked he looked great. I was also proud of him. I was like, oh, look at you go, Rand. So smooth. Good form. Okay. Yeah. And then Lan gives Rand the life or life lesson about how to be a man, whatever comes, face it on your feet. A direct quote from the books that will maybe not serve Rand the best, but you know, toxic masculinity and all that is kind of ingrained in Rand's journey. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Lan does like event Rand eventually does trust Lan, puts his sword down, and Lan gives him a fancy coat. Thank you, show, for continuing to put Rand in incredible clothing. Uh please keep this up for the rest of the show. <laughs> he has always had I swear he has always had the best clothing in the book series. So much so that I'm like, I want this. I want this for me. Uh, same. I want that coat too. Like it's it's like a carry and I, it looks like it's like from the Sun Palace because it has like the sun on the back. It's got birds on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got the Sun Throne icon on the back. Yeah. It's a velvet, mm-hmm. like, like a blue velvet. And yeah, it's just really pretty. Rand looks incredible. And Land teaches him cat crosses the courtyard. My favorite sword form. It teaches him how to strut. <laughs> yep. Got to strut his stuff. And then Rand, having been fully trained by Lan, uh, is ready to go in and see Swan. He goes in, attempts cat crosses the courtyard, but also sort of tries to be respectful. He does like this like very short bow to Swan and like calls her mother, says that he's ready. And Swan is so rude to him. <laughs> She's like, what did he tell you? Yeah. She's like, are you now, boy? I'm like, okay, Swan, just starting off on the wrong foot here. Like, let's be a little respectful to Rand. He is the dragon reborn. <laughs> And, like, she tells, what does she tell Rand? She asks him how many times he's channeled. And uh, he says not many and not on purpose. He's not lying. No. She then gives him this, like, speech about him being the the water that turns the wheel or breaks it, which, you know, we heard a lot in the previews. Mm -hmm. And she tells him that she's gonna, you know, she needs to control him so that he doesn't break the wheel. Yes, they're meant to cage him. They're meant to, like, keep him shielded channeling when they want him to and what they want him to and she says something that i think is great foreshadowing for the last battle which is you are meant to be the greatest weapon in our arsenal but not our general which ends up being true but it's not because the omerlin wants it to be that way it's because rand wants it to be that way yeah she basically says everything she shouldn't have yeah there's also a lot of very cool foreshadowing here for setting up rand being shielded and put in the box mm-hmm because like Swan is like, oh, ta- like Elida's actions in that scene are tower law. And so like, unlike in the books where it's basically Elida going kind of crazy. And also I think Guitara kind of like making some like on very questionable on the fly decisions about how to handle the Dragon Reborn. This is like actual justification for the way that they will treat him. That like this is what the tower says that they are supposed to do, which I don't agree with. Or thinks they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is also like a great parallel with how the Demone are treated. Like they are going to essentially treat him like a Demone. Like they're going to keep him, they're going to have him channeling, like she says, what we want when we want. And like that is exactly how the Demone are, which is just not a great way to treat a human being. <laughs> I don't care if you're fighting an evil, like evil incarnate. Not okay. No, it's not. I do not blame Rand for being for getting really pissed and like starting to channel and basically being like, I'm not going to be your puppet. This I will not live in your cage. Yep. Also great foreshadowing. But Swans literally snaps her fingers and shields him. Rand is trained-ish, but not enough, as Swan will continue to yell at Moiraine about in a little bit. Before Moiraine comes in, Swan also has quite possibly the funniest line of this episode and also the most cutting line of this episode, which is, we would have been so much better off if you were a girl. (laughs) (laughs) So funny to me the way that she says it. She's so disgusted. Just like, it like shakes her head. It's just, it's like such a casual comment from Swan. It's so funny. And it made me think of, there's this meme that like goes around the internet periodically that's like, the Wheel of Time, and it's like a thick stack of books. And then it's the Wheel of Time if Egwene and Nynaeve, or Nynaeve were the dragon, and it's a very thin stack of books. 
<laughs> and I'm like, it's they're not wrong. Yeah, they're not wrong. <laughs> like, if if Egwene was the dragon, this would be a three season show maximum. <laughs> the Wheel of Time would have been a trilogy. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so funny to me. Moiraine comes in. Uh, yeah, she asks Maureen. And, oh, or no, yeah, Maureen comes in and she lets Rand go and they take him off to his cell. Yeah. Rand looks so sad when he's being shielded and Moiraine walks in. Like, yeah. I really wanted to give him a hug. I was like, how dare you? Like, Swan let him go. Swan yells at Moiraine basically for being like, you were supposed to train him. Like, he is untrained. What have you been doing? Like, this is because you've been stilled that you haven't been able to train him at all. And then she says, can you imagine if a Forsaken got their hands on him? And it's like, um, actually, mm, she can. Moiraine can indeed imagine that because... Celine had her hands on him for like at least three months. More than her hands. Uh, it was mostly just kinky sex, though. It's fine. Rand wasn't turned to the evil at all. He was just shown some things. <laughs> yeah. So apparently this was the plan that they had devised after Guitar Sedai died, which is interesting. Like, I'm trying to remember exactly what they did because it was not just the three of them in the room, right? Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. Tamara was there. That was the Amelin that she was under. I just pulled that out of my head. You're t- yeah, it was t- Tamara. Tamara. Or Tamara? Tam- yeah, something like that. It's Tamara. Tamara. Yeah. yeah. Tamara, like Osprey, something like that. Right. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. In the books, um, the Amelin is there, and she's the one who is like, Moiraine Swan, you can't tell anybody about this. Also, your charge for the future is to find the Dragon Reborn. And like, she's the one who gives them their mission. It's Tamara Ospinia. Okay. We're close. <laughs> yeah. Osprey Ospinia. Close enough. Yeah. Almost like a, a different bird name that we'll get to. <laughs> Osprey sounds like a delicious beverage. Osprey is a type of bird. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a falcon, like a coastal falcon. Yeah. I don't think this was like necessarily their plan in the books, but it is a very, it's like a succinct, coherent plan for the show. Like, yeah. What's that? Swan gets the tower ready for Rand. Moiraine finds the dragon. No, that was, that was the whole setup in New Spring was for them to kind of prepare each other. Moraine was to go out and find it while Swan stayed behind in the tower. I don't remember if becoming the Amarlin was part of it, but. I thought Swan does join Moiraine at one point on the road. Yeah, I don't remember them. I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a while since I've read New Spring. Mm-hmm. But I do remember that that was, that was the plan. Th- those two were in cahoots to prepare for Rand's, you know, coming, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't remember, like, a, a distinct, like, delineation of roles. Is what I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, I don't think it was, like, quite that clear cut. But it's, it's a great, like, summation of, of their goals. Mm-hmm. We can come back to Rand and Moiraine in the cell because that gets goofy real quick. This whole episode, I'm just going to say it right now. This is my favorite episode of the season because this episode is so funny. Okay. Like, there's so, I mean, it's dark. There's some sad things, but there's so many unintentionally or maybe intentionally funny moments in this episode. Yeah. And I think Rand and, and Landfear together is like my favorite part, but the funniest part to me. But we're not quite there yet. We're back with Matt in Carehan. He's just watched Rand walk away and he goes down an alley and then immediately gets hit in the head. <laughs> yeah. Once again with the concussions. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that his captors do not have any concussion protocols. Nope. 
Probably not. There was some talk in one of the Discord channels about a drinking game for the (laughs) Wheel of Time show. For season two, every time someone suffers head trauma, (laughs) take a drink. (laughs) Yes, and then we all have head trauma. Yep, exactly. I they don't know what to do with Matt this season. They really don't. With how they've been like kind of getting him he needed to be in fall. And they did it in kind of the most lackadaisical way possible. Ah, we're gonna knock him out and he's gonna wake up in fall. It sort of makes sense. I kind of like it. I think that this is a gray man who is stalking Matt. Oh. Or it could be a hint at it. We don't see the person's face. And they do just sort of come out of nowhere. So it could be a nod to it. I don't think it's going to matter in the, in the end that it was, if it's a dark friend or not. It was just kind of a ways to get him from point A to point B since he wasn't traveling with Rand, doing the whole chasing the dagger all the way out to Falm, mm-hmm. following Pad and Fane. So yeah. they had to figure out a way to get him from one side of Brainland to the other side. We have to give him six months of, of time with the dagger in one <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Lanfear, like, we see in this episode and the next episode that Lanfear is, like, and previous episodes, too, that Lanfear is super well-informed about Ishamayel's plots. And she knows, like, she's, she seems to have a lot of informants to tell her when Ishamayel's plans are not quite panning out. And so I actually am totally okay with her being like, yeah, I'm just going to travel Matt from Kirhian to Thalm, give him to Ishamayel as a gift. And like continue to to act like that. I'm sorry. Just knowing what happens next is yep. the thought of giving him as a gift <laughs> or a sex thing or a murder thing. <laughs> it just gets even weirder. So yeah, because like Lanfear's like with him. She's like, yeah, you're in form. Whatever. It's you're fine, kid. Yeah. She says she expected him to be more impressive. Which like I don't know why I. I mean, I guess because Ishamayel keeps being like, he's the one evil one, and which he's not. Uh, yeah, I don't like that part, but I guess that was their conceit to having to figure out what to do with Matt when he disappeared for half the season. Yeah. So did either of you see that article that uh, I guess Rafe had chimed in about, about how kind of because of the actor change from Barney Harris to... Um, they had to rewrite a lot of Matt's story. Yeah, basically they had to scrap a lot of what they were going to do with Matt for season two. Mm, I didn't see that article at all. So... Yeah, basically everything we, we assumed that they got messed up in season one, they had to rewrite because Matt wasn't going to be there. So his entire story arc for season two got rewritten after they had already started filming. That's why we kind of got that fast track to Falm, I believe. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Like, and I, the show even comments on it in episode eight, like Matt even says like, I've spent a lot of this year locked in a cell, which he has. It's true. He's continues to be locked in a room for most of this, for all of the rest of this episode and a lot of episode eight. I mean, in the, in the books, when he was healing from the dagger, he was at, he was in the tower for months. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it tracks, it tracks. Yeah. Maybe not in the same exact way, but it tracks. Yeah. I am I'm excited for for getting that more on track um in season three. But we're not there yet. No. We are with Ashamael and Matt in Ashamael's room and Ashamael is making weird tea <laughs> and weirding Matt out. I'm pretty sure is it ayahuasca? I, I guess. <laughs> like it's basically ayahuasca. I love how he goes, they have forgotten how to do a lot of stuff from my time, like make a good cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's so Ishmael's so weird. He doesn't for once he doesn't introduce himself at all. Has take has maybe listened to our podcast and taken some notes. That he he like doesn't even like say his name and Matt is just like, "Who are you? Where am I? What is happening?" <laughs> like, "Why are you making me weird tea?" And then Ishmael like pours the tea, tells him to steep it for 15 minutes, which is a really long time to steep tea. That's some bitter tea. It's yeah. It's not, it's not a tea tea leaves he was scraping in that cup. True. It was definitely a mushroom. <laughs> Yeah, true. It's a, it's just a long time to steep anything. A mushroom, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked like a potato, honestly. Yeah, but like wood-ish, it was very strange. I thought it was whittling. Maybe he wasn't. It, that's what Matt had asked him what he was whittling, but he was clearly scraping it into the cup. Yeah. And so I'm guessing it's some sort of mushroom or herb. We call this elfin tea. Elfin <laughs> Yeah. Well? Because like, so Ishmael tells... Matt, oh, this is going to have you glimpse your past lives, which I guess I'm not really sure if that's what it did, but sure. Well, not with what they showed us, at least. Yeah, like I was very confused about this, but this tea does seem to be doing a lot of the like red doorway work. Does he he seems well, this is where he's asked Ishmael about is this a sex thing or a murder thing? Yeah, because he'd really like it to hurry up either way. No No talking, please. (laughs) No talking. Just get just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Which is hilarious because I was wondering the exact same thing when he said that. Like, yes, Matt. <laughs> I mean, with Ishmael, who knows? Ishmael is so weird about every single one of the Evansfield Five. Like, this, he has not had a single normal interaction with any of them. <laughs> He's weird with Perrin. He's so weird with Rand. And he continues to be weird with Matt. <laughs> like, bro, let the boys live. <laughs> let them breathe. <laughs> So yeah, he's like looking in the mirror. He's like, there's nothing happening. And he stands up and suddenly his mother walks into the room. She like appears. She's like all of a sudden there. Yeah, just sort of appears and like starts telling him that he's just like all the others. You're just like him. And he's going to be nothing but a a loser and a damn prick. A damn prick. That's right. It was over and over and over again. Yeah. And like Matt, we have a bunch of visions. We've hanging Matt. Very cool. Cool foreshadowing or nod. Yeah. I think that's the second time this season they've shown him being hung. It is. What was the first time he was hung? I thought he's lost his eye twice. In Nynaeve's test? No, he loses an eye in Nynaeve's test. Mm-hmm. Oh. I could I could have sworn that we've seen at least a hanging mat one, once more earlier this season. In the first episode of season one, there is a noose that is in Pat and Fane's thing that's behind Matt's head and it hangs behind Matt's head. Oh, okay. That's what it was. So we've gotten like hints of hanging Matt before. This is the first time we've seen it outright. I can't tell if it's foreshadowing or if it's like a nod to... What else would it be? What else would it be? If Ashamaya was to be believed, these are the ways that he's died in his past lives. And the reason they look like Matt is because they were his soul. Okay, that makes some sense to me. But we also see him killing people. Like, he kills a woman. He's drowning somebody. Like, this whole scene is super terrifying to me. Like, Natty Cawthon. He laughs at himself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then he curls up on the ground and starts rolling in a circle and then turns into his mother. Ah. Yeah, turns into his mother. Then he holds his mother. And she turns into <laughs> And she, it like, screams. This whole scene is so scary. Like, it's very cool. Like, very well shot. A lot of questions. 
but like also there were multiple times where i was like blanket over my eyes like terrified of what was happening what is going on yeah it was bizarre it was wild i would not take this tea zero out of ten would not recommend (laughs) don't take any tea that the forsaken offer you in matt's defense he didn't know this was a forsaken he was just like this is just a weird dude but i probably don't take tea that some weird dude tells you to drink (laughs) i mean he almost didn't he thought about it yeah he probably shouldn't have speaking of the forsaken when we come back to matt the next time ishamel is holding and caressing him on the floor again weird with them weird with the boys (laughs) i'm like is this aftercare? Was it, uh, <laughs> was it a sex thing? Maybe? Because it certainly feels like <laughs> If Ishamayel can't have Rand, he will take Matt. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is so un- unimpressed. <laughs> In my notes, I wrote, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I- I'm sure if we watch this like 50 times, we'll be able to suss out some stuff. But right now, I am just so confused by this scene outside of the hanging mat in the mirror you know yeah yeah i really i think it's supposed to be taking the place of the memories he gets from the elfin oh yeah that, that's that's exactly what it is with what happens in episode eight so i don't know if they're specifically his own past lives but that's what ashamayo is trying to tell him yeah they've they seem to be having this like ongoing theme with matt this season and maybe a little bit last season that like he doesn't know who he is that like he's theoretically destined for greatness or like he has like a great soul in him but like he doesn't want it he's been rejecting it which is like not quite what goes on with matt in the books where like in the books, like the dagger takes his memory like fully, but we haven't gotten any hint of that in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what happens is the dagger messes with him, and then when he goes through the the door, he's just like, "I've got holes in my memory. Please fill them." And they fill them with the memories of all of the generals of like thousands of past lives. Yeah, yeah, that are not necessarily Matt, not his own. Yeah, yeah, but in this one, he has a weird tea that shows him his past lives, where he's apparently a terrible person over and over and over again. Which, like, if that is the quote unquote darkness inside matt sure whatever show i agree with you fat i don't think i don't think the show knows what to do with him i think it was a shawmail just thinking he had an in and ishawmail was a little arrogant maybe yeah he was just trying to do something to where he could get good old rand on his side using his friends or something yeah yeah and as the Shamael is stroking Matt's face, he again talks about how much he just really wants to die. To which I tell say to a Shamael, maybe you shouldn't have joined the Dark One who guarantees you eternal life. That's part of the deal. Well, like, I wonder if this is also something of a reference to the fact that when the re- part of the reason Ishamayel is the first one we see is because he was never quite fully in prison. Unlike Aganor and Bothamal, he wasn't held like he didn't keep aging, but held. But he was able to reach out and touch the world outside of the boar. And he's had his hand in things for 3,000 years, even if he couldn't affect them as much. And as the seal weakened, he was able to do more before he finally broke free when Rain came to the eye of the world. So I wonder if it's a reference to that. Ishamayel in episode 8, we're jumping ahead a little bit, and we'll talk about it in more detail, but Ishamayel in the cold open of episode 8 still has this attitude of, like, I want to die, we need to break the wheel so that I can die. So, yeah, I think that this is just sort of, this is major spoilers, but we did warn you guys. Like, this feels like Moradin in, like, the last battle where he's like, I want to die, Rand, like, let's do the body swap so that I can f- die the final death and you will live. 
Yeah. Major spoilers. I'm very sorry if you haven't finished your memory of light. <laughs> oh my god. You just like, jeez. <laughs> we warned you at the top of the episode. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Literally just spoiled the end of the series. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I feel like it's a setup for that. <laughs> Maybe. It just doesn't feel quite right. Look, 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 look. Here, here's the thing, though. Way back then, when, when they were in the, you know, the Great War and all that, you know, Balefire was a known weave. Why didn't you just have someone blast him with it? Indeed. Like, why? <laughs> like, it's very silly. Ishamael, like, there's so many ways for Ishamael to die without breaking the entire wheel. But Ishamael, apparently, those are not good enough for him. He must destroy the world in order to finally take a nap. <laughs> so, like, I, I have questions for Ishamael. <laughs> That's kind of the end of Matt this episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it more or less is. That's the last scene we see of him for episode seven, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's really it. Yeah. Because at this point, we're we're probably 20, not 20 minutes, but like we're probably close to halfway through the episode at this point. Yeah, we're like jumping around so much. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to, we have Nynaeve and Elaine are in fall and they're kind of snooping around the city looking for a way to get into the palace. And I love that Elaine was like, you know what? I'm going to insist that you let me try my way this time. And I need, you know, not your bossy self. I'm going to be my bossy self. Mm-hmm. And the look on Nynaeve's face is just like, she's so unhappy. She's like, well, fine, I guess. She's so grumpy. You might want to listen to the person who's pretty well educated in foreign matters. And who has a whole plan about how to not get kidnapped. <laughs> like, come on. Right? Like, if you had listened to her last time, you wouldn't have gotten knocked over the head. Mm-hmm. There's some really cool cutting back and forth of, like, all of the Thalm stuff this episode. Like, Yeah. And they do it again next episode, too. Yeah, and next episode, too. Like, I, in, for all of my complaints about all, the way that they had the cutting and jumping around in episode six, I like the way that they handled it in this episode. Yeah. Because, like, we see, like, this little bit of Nynaeve and Elaine, and then we kind of, we go to Egwene... Well, they also mention like one part of her plan includes uh, Ingtar and Loyal because she asks about the Ogier and the Shinaran, which is interesting because then you see them after the next scene, which is a queen, as you were saying. Yeah. She's with Rinna training to be a domine. Mm-hmm. And this scene is just, God, Rinna just, I just want to smack her. She does such a good job at making you dislike her as a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While still feeling like she is correct. Like she thinks that she is correct. Like she she firmly believes everything that she's like feeling. Oh yeah. And like this is like clearly just like her culture. It's like such a culture clash. It's her flat monotone about everything too that really kind of sends it home for me. Like yeah. Just the just the way she speaks in that, you know, Sean Chan accent which in the show we've gotten as a kind of a flat American accent, yeah, mm-hmm. and not the kind of slurred, you know, Texan accent that uh, has been explained in the books before. I'm gonna say it now, Rafe. Tuan better have a Texas accent. Like the high blood has like the accent. Yeah, I would love that. Everybody below them. I mean, yeah. Turok was high blood, right? Suroth is high blood. Yeah, yeah. The only one who I feel like has like the closest to like any sort of twang whatsoever is Suroth's voice. She still has that weird. Not an accent. It's not quite as um, neutral American as everyone else. It's the the like the the newscaster accent that nobody uses. 
but Rinna comes in and she is just very, I, 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 there's just something about her voice to me that just kind of the way she speaks, her cadence, everything just, it makes you not like her. She, she sells it so well. Mm-hmm. For me, it's every time she calls a Gwen good girl. Oh, I want to beat her upside the head. It's so cringe. Good girl. God, Ugh. every, every, it's just, you get that. She, she looks really happy. Like good girl. You're just like, Ugh. Oh, yeah, it's, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah, which we get this up this part because they are doing a um a training exercise to like show how strong a demone is by doing a shockwave of air. We see another demone do a shockwave. It like almost reaches them. It's fairly strong. And then Egwene, like Rena and Egwene walk up to the training area and Egwene does hers and she blows everybody off of their feet, wakes up basically all of Falm, including a cat, which I thought was really cute. I know. (laughs) This one cat is just like, what the heck? A goat. Man. <laughs> it's really adorable. And we see Loyal like also hears it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's walking through Falm. Then we cut back to Rena being like, good girl. And I was like, disgusting. <sighs> and then we cut back to Loyal and he like Nynaeve sees him and she like grabs him and like pulls him into this like one side alley. This scene. This scene is again so funny. <laughs> because Loyal, like he's like, oh, Nynaeve, it's so good to see you. Then he immediately recognizes Elaine, bows to her, and it like starts to introduce himself. Nynaeve is like, get up, don't encourage her. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's introducing himself, Nynaeve is like, his name sings in your ears. Anyway, get up. Like we've got stuff to do, Loyal. Like she's not here for how like long it takes Loyal to talk. And Elaine looks so pleased. She's so smug, just like, yep, you know who I am, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And they like start to get the information that will help them formulate the plan to quote unquote save Egwene. Mm -hmm. And they learn that Nynaeve, like, or not Nynaeve, that Egwene is being held in the kennels, only Soldom are allowed there. And you can see like Elaine and Nynaeve start to exchange looks to help them figure out their plan, which we see them put into action a couple of scenes later. They um, have the. Adam that Rima had given to them before Rima was collared and they take it and um, collar a soldom who's walking down the street by herself and then Elaine bashes the soldom over the head for good measure. You know what? Fine. Yep. And cuss the soldom. That's fine. Honestly, that's that's kind of how it happened in the books too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's going to have a worse day after that anyway when she wakes up. Yep. It was a double tap. <laughs> good double tap by Elaine there. And I guess they probably do need her knocked out in order to like get our, all of her armor off for Nynaeve for the next episode. Yeah. There was like one thing I was worried about when they were doing the whole, we're going to, you know, disguise ourselves as Soldam to get into the kennel and everything is visually they decided to give those like those like lower cheek face tattoos for everything. And I was afraid that they were going to try to do that. And then Nynaeve was going to get noticed or something like that. But that never happened. So I guess it was a, you know, not a big deal after all. Mm-mm. I think they're scars. Yeah, they're scar. And that makes a lot of sense for the Shantan culture because like scarring is permanent. Mm-hmm. And like everything, like your hierarchy in Shantan is permanent. I love it. I think it's a very cool detail. And unless you get disowned and then things get brutal. Yeah. But like then even if you're disowned and like, well, not brutally murdered, which you probably would be in Shantan. If you're like cast out, then like your scars are a badge of shame that like you were a soul or yeah, sold on, but now you are not, or you were a high blood and now you are not. Well, we do have one character upcoming in the series. Don't know if they're going to use this character, but um, yeah, we'll see. 
I don't think they survive the next episode. No, 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 no. It's it's a character that hasn't been named yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again? Okay. Yes. I, I already we we're going for full spoilers, as you guys can tell. So. Well, after someone spoiled the end of the whole book, <laughs> it's too late now. You just. It's too late now. When the show starts to hint at thematic things, I feel they must be discussed, even if they are major spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. That is why these are spoilerific episodes. Sorry, sorry, show watchers who want to become book readers. We warned you. We warned you up at the top. <laughs> if you want to send angry mail, please send it elsewhere. <laughs> but what I was trying to say was I would imagine that if they cast out a Soldom, they would probably burn away her scars. Probably. In a way. It did disfigure her. Mm. I thought you were talking about what happened to Retta and, uh, not Retta, Rena and Seda in the books, which is they left them collared in the kennels. Yeah. And were found. And then they were, they lost their rank in the Soldom. They were allowed to go back to being Soldom. But they were had to hide their shame. They had to shave their heads and everything and weren't allowed to touch Domine ever. Mm-hmm. So imagine like if that had happened rather than them dying in the next episode, that they might have had their scars like burned off. And look at Surath. All she did was get her fingernails cut off. Yeah, true. But Surath wasn't like cast out. She was just temporarily shamed. To kind of close out the Egwene stuff, because there's not a lot of Egwene stuff in this episode, which again is fine. We got enough Egwene being a Demone last episode to last a thousand lifetimes. Yeah. She is rebraiding. She's in her cell later, rebraiding her hair to remind herself that she's never alone. Just so sweet. And Rena gives her the creepiest and most ineffective bath I've ever seen. Like, why are you just going to wash her hands in slow motion and then like wipe her face a little bit? Like, it's so weird. It just feels like almost like a lover caressing doing like and it's gross and then she unbraids her hair she doesn't unbraid her hair here no she doesn't unbraid her hair because she's giving her that sponge bath it's a sponge bath she does unbraid it again. yeah trying to talk to her trying to trying to sweet talk she her does well know. she pulls out what Nynaeve or what Egwene was braiding because she starts braiding it again after she leaves no she just takes her wrists and she like debraids her wrists and baits her face and, it, and there is a we don't we don't get the braid moment until next episode yeah no no i'm not talking about cutting it off because she it she was braiding it when she came in and it was unbraided when she left yeah she doesn't unbraid it though it was unbraided when she left and, and Wade started braiding it again i mean if you like when you braid your hair at least for my hair it will fall out if i stop braiding it so my hair's too curly. It wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if I was to braid these bangs right now and then I stopped, it would fall out. Yeah, probably same for me. Um, so like Egwene would have to like go back to rebraiding it, but I don't. But Rena doesn't unbraid it for her. Yeah, she 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 gets mad at her, which is weird because she was definitely it was definitely unbraided when she left. I made it like that. Yeah, because she wasn't done. To me. Continuity. Is, we're getting very very like. I know no, she wasn't this done is like braiding the, it. Yeah, we're getting way might, too granular yeah, about the hair. That might have been a. a it might have been a continuity issue because it was completely unbraided when she because she started pulling it in to. But the the most her. important thing is during the sponge bath, <laughs> Rena is trying to convince her that she you know we'd be the greatest team ever, and Egwene just looks at Rena and goes, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah, she says it so kindly. She's like, "Rena, I'm going to kill you." Like just like she's gonna do Rena a favor. Rena is so pissed. I'm genuinely shocked that Rena didn't torture her for this. Yeah. I am too. Like, she just stomped off like a child. Yeah. I was like, Egwene, you were playing with actual fire. If they were going to do anything here, what would have been the great thing to do that they uh, from that they didn't do that happened in the book series is, because Egwene eventually gets her name stripped from her in the books. 
and she's called some something else. I forget what it is. I think it's like mm-hmm. I think she's called Seta. No, Seta's a Soldom. It was Thule. Mm, yeah, that's right. It's Thule. Yes, Thule or something like that. But it would have been a great point for here of you know what? Screw it. You're not Egwene anymore. You're you know you're this name. I'm going to give you, you know, strip that last bit of humanity from Egwene. But they didn't do it. She just got pissy and stomp stormed out of the room yeah yeah it would have been a good point to do that yeah it's a it's uh very interesting that rena after all of after how intense and how like brutal rena was last episode that she's just kind of like oh, i'm just gonna storm off but whatever i don't need any more of a going getting tortured i'm so good with that so <laughs> Um, we do also have like a little bit of Perrin and Avienda um, in this episode. They are walking through the desert and Perrin spots a Bane. I think Bane. I can't tell which one's which when they have their, their stuff on. Yeah. I think it's Bane. Bane or Chiad. One of the two. Take your pick. I'm, I'm going to go with Bane is the taller one and Chiad is the slightly shorter one. Bane also looks a little bit more, um, to me, she looks a little bit more chiseled, whereas... Chiad is a little bit prettier. I can I can tell the actresses apart, but I can't tell which character is supposed to be which. So I just picked one. <laughs> Not when they're in costume and everything. Yeah, like oh, when they're in costuming, it's really hard to tell which one's which. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now th- this is more or less the replacement scene when they first run into you know the trio when they're trying to get help for the one who had died. So this is our kind of replacement for that. Yeah. Um. Julian has died. And we see like maiden hand talk between Avienda and Bane or Chiad. I'm just going to say Bane, uh, which is really cool. Did you guys watch the special on maiden hand talk that they posted on social media? Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. They apparently like made it, they like brought in a uh, sign language instructor and like a sign language interpreter to like help them create maiden hand talk. And their focus because they fight was on like one handed sign language which I thought was a very cool detail. I would love to learn Maiden Hand Talk. It's very nice. Yeah. So because we we get translations sometimes for in the episode and sometimes not, that means that the ones that they didn't do the translations on, we can we should be able to suss out what they were saying. Yep, theoretically, because it is an actual language. It's so true to form that the maidens do not explain anything at all before they start beating up Avienda. <laughs> like, no. Aiel don't explain anything ever. They're like, this is our culture. Take it or leave it. And like Hopper is really upset. And Perrin's upset too. But Hopper is like going ham, going crazy as Bane and Shiad beat the snot out of Avienda in order to have her meet her toe for having Jolien die. So I went back and found it. It is Bane that f- they first went. Aha, my instincts are correct. <laughs> yes. 50-50 shot. There was a point where Perrin starts to jump in and it's just Chiad beating the shit out of Alvienda. And she's like, mm-mm, nope. Mm-hmm. That's all she's like, nope. Yeah, she's just like, don't. And like holds her hand out and stops him. Yeah. And like Perrin and Hopper are both like, what is happening? Yeah. And Avienda looks rough when they are done with her. Uh, that's gotta hurt. But she is a maiden of the spear. She is fierce. Uh, later on, they're all walking in the desert. They're all laughing together. And Perrin's like, so you're good now? And Avienda does like the one little explanation that we are going to probably get the entire <laughs> series from Anayil of explaining Gieto 
And I have never understood Gato until Avienda explained it in this way that like to is obligation and like G is honor and the as I'm assuming just honor and obligation. Never understood that until now. Yeah. Really? That's literally the translation of the words. Yeah. I don't understand the Aiel at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am like Rand and Matt and and Perrin. I'm like, what is this culture? What is happening? Yeah. Oh, G is honor. It's literally the word for honor. Toe is obligation. Mm. Do you not remember the scene to where Egwene goes back to the wise ones and goes, I've been lying to you the whole time. This is basically what happens to Egwene then. I mean, I do remember that, but mostly I was like, I'm confused. And they start beating the ever-living hell out of her. Yeah, I remember that. And she is just like, when is this going to stop? And they're like, it's going to stop when you say it stops. And they just continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, how much is your honor worth? Yeah, no, I remember that. I was just confused. Also, like, it took me a long time to re- remember, like, how Egwene becomes a wise one. So, like, the Aiel are confusing to me. But I liked this explanation. I thought it was very clear. So good job, show. Yeah. So the context here is that Avienda explained that I was supposed to be watching her back and she died because... You know, extraneous circumstances happened. I wasn't able to save her. I owe toe to her, to Jolene. Jolene? Jolene. Jolene, I think. Jolene. Jolene. It's like Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. 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 So Bane and Chiad beat the ever-living hell out of Avienda until she feels that she has met her obligation for what she caused to Jolene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it could have been a full day of beating. It could have been five minutes of beating. It was until Avienda goes, this is the cutoff point, which sure, you know, from an outsider's perspective, like Perrin, he's like, uh, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. I do not understand. And that's probably most book readers. Yep. Certainly me. I, I've talked to countless people who were just like, I don't understand it. And it's like, I get it. I didn't understand it for probably 10 plus years myself. I mean, I understand what's going on i don't know that i understand the need for it but it's a ritual yeah and it's a very brutal one and they're you know a very war focused like i don't know if war is the right word but they're tough you have to be tough to survive the waste they're kind of like sparta ish you mean the threefold land (laughs) right yes the testing ground the threefold land like you can't be weak in order it and be an IEL. Yeah. so like corp- corporal punishment is like a big part of their culture a lot yeah like <laughs> accepting corporal punishment is a big part of their culture so uh which we will see probably in greater detail i'm assuming in season three but probably season three season four season five yeah whenever Egwene meets he meets but the next line i think is hilarious they yep. come to the yep. ocean mm. Oh, before that, Perrin is like, oh, is like that why you said you have toe to me? And she's like, it's rude of you to to acknowledge it and remind me. But yes, like <laughs> more of this like very brief expl- explanation of the IEL culture. But yes, she does have toe. Yeah, that's right. It's basically I have a life debt to you. Well, not a, not quite a life debt, but I have a debt to you. It is a life debt. It's rude of you. Yeah, it's It's rude of you to even mention it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. But since you are a wetlander. Don't be rude, Perrin. It's the same reason that Chewie follows Han around. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. That's the exact example I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Han saved his life, so Chewie's going to follow him until he saved his. Which I think Chewie paid over many times. Many times, yeah. Yep, definitely. I think at that point he was just family. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, then the ocean. They get to the ocean. And the Ayo are just like speechless and 
How is there so much water? Why? The, <laughs> yeah. the maiden hand talk is like she's a great, like, it's a, it's just like gesture. Water this much? How? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. They're so confused. And then we see Falm in the background. And that's kind of it for Falm for this episode. Going back to Carrion, um, we get this great scene with, very early on in the episode with a bunch of Aes Sedai. And like, I think that the scene is doing a lot of very good, very subtle work of like, Showing that the Aes Sedai don't trust each other amongst Ajaz as well as like amongst each other. Like Yasika looks at Julia and is very much like suspicious of her. Alana and her warders are very suspicious of Tomas. But Yasika is adorable with Varen and is like happy to like just wants to chat about the library. And also happy to have run an errand for Varen and get her an Ogier map of the city. And she wants to know why, but Varen is not really telling her anything. And then, like, Tomas is... I can't remember why Tomas leaves, but Tomas leaves and walks past Alana and Maxim and Yvonne. There was some controversy online. I don't know if you guys saw this. Maybe did we talk about this a little bit of Maxim doing the dark friend signal at Tomas, theoretically? Mm -hmm. Oh. So there is a hand gesture that is... I'll, I'll do it here, but since this is a podcast, <laughs> I will also try to describe it. You basically put your thumb in between the first two fingers of your hand, and and like that is supposed to be like the dark friend signal. Got your nose. It's an in. And like it's apparently canon. And uh, Tomas, or not Tomas, uh, Maxim does this as Tomas walks past. And people were like, oh, does Maxim know that Tomas is a dark friend? Like, is he signaling that? They talk about not trusting him. Yeah. But it's, and it's like, as they're doing that, I don't think so. I think he's just fidgeting. He does it through the entire scene and it's a very common way to just fidget. But people were like, oh man, like, what does this mean? Is this a sign? Blah, blah, blah. I saw quite a bit of chatter online about it. I mean, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Max, well, Maxim's a made up character. I'm talking about Tomas, the whole dark friend thing. I know, but I'm just like, what? But if he knew the signal, then. Yeah. He also does do it when Joya walks by because Joya walks by them again. And we do know that Joya is also a black as But I, I think that this is Maxim just fidgeting. I don't think it actually means anything. No. But because it was controversy online, I wanted to bring it up here. Alana makes a great point that she does not want her warders to be separated from her if if Lanfear is walking around Kyrian, but eventually her warders do sort of like win out in this argument. Okay, he's not he is not doing this. He's doing he's rolling something. He's, in he's doing like this. He's okay, rolling something, and it's just these two fingers, not these two. Mm. He's like I'm watching it right now. He's like rubbing this finger like this. It's like he's rolling something between his middle yeah like i i definitely think he's just fidgeting but a lot of people were like oh it's a sign i mean he was a dark friend before he bonded baron so spoilers tomas you mean we're talking about maxim oh i'm talking about tomas no maxim is the one that's making the signal yeah yeah he's but he's making it like at tomas as tomas is walking back i think i think we're getting a little too granular yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. there's there's a lot of very subtle stuff going on with 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 stuff in the background it could very well be mm -hmm. yeah i mean robert jordan was really good at doing that in his books too yeah a little one-off sentences that was like that would realize like six books later on stuff so this could very well be that yeah we should go back to moraine and land or not not land rand yes agreed well do we want to do leandrin first as we're talking about Aes Sedai? yeah let's do that because they're kind of separate yeah 
Leandrin has gone to Anver's house and goes to see uh, Anver and specifically Barthanis. Uh, I felt very bad for Fenya in this part because I know Fenya loves Barthanis. She thinks he's super cute, like just an adorable boy. And I am inclined to agree. However, he is also a dark friend, confirmed dark friend in this episode. Yes. But they have tea together. Um, Barthanis eventually orders on there away so that Leandrin and he can have a private conversation. And Lanfear, not Lanfear, geez, Leandrin orders Barthanis <laughs> to kill Moiraine. To remove him from the, or her from the board. Yes. And it seems to imply that this order is from Ishamael. I firmly believe this order is from Lanfear. It's totally from Lanfear. Yeah. Like we saw Lanfear with Leandrin a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. and like this is definitely a Leandrin or a Lanfear move I am going to get Leandrin and Lanfear confused so much not confuse them as characters but just their names because they both start with L and they're both evil yeah <laughs> um, when I'm editing I don't know how many times we actually say Leanne instead of Leandrin yeah <laughs> like, yeah but the three of them I can't the three of them yeah Leanne not a dark friend Leandrin dark friend Lanfear Forsaken, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> yes. So if we say the wrong one, just use context. Yep. Yep. <laughs> she also tells him that if his mother gets in the way, he should also remove her from the port. Mm-hmm. Good job. Sir. Thank goodness that Anver knows her house inside, outside, backwards, and forwards, and has a little spy hole mm-hmm. that she hears. She overhears this entire conversation. Well, because she's carrying, and of course she has a place to hide and spy on people. <laughs> Of course. Yep. In her own home. Mm-hmm. Would expect nothing less. Yeah. This pays off a little bit later in the episode. Barthanis goes to the quote unquote cell where Moiraine and Rand are being kept, but it is not actually the cell. We're getting, we're jumping a little bit ahead. Like basically he goes down to the cell, tries to go in to kill Moiraine. The guard, the servant, or Anver shows up there and is like, I didn't think he would do it. And then as he's trying to leave, closes the cell on him. And they have this great conversation where Barthanis is like, I did it for you. I did it for us. They became a dark friend in order to like help our family rise again. Didn't you wonder how fast, like how we had risen so fast? And I was like, I did actually Barthanis. So thank you, show, for addressing that. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. Yes. He's like, Moiraine doesn't care about you. And Anver is like, no, but she does care about doing the right thing. And like, which is better than you. He says, don't tell the queen. Like, you can't tell anybody, don't tell the queen. And she's like, I already have. And then guards walk in. My question here is, do we think that Barthanus gets executed here? Because we don't actually see him die on screen. It heavily implied. I mean, it happens off screen in the books. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't get the whole them go into the party to find the way gate kind of thing with Barthanus like I thought they were going to do originally. Because they, it seemed like they were setting it up earlier in the season for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. It didn't go in that direction. So, yeah, I I think he gets executed. I do have we have a a rule in my household that if someone hasn't died on screen, they're not actually dead until the series is over. But that's just because we watch a lot of anime (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the characters are constantly showing back up who have, quote unquote, died in anime. So (laughs) it definitely heavily implied that the guards went in and murdered him. That's that is what I thought as well. Yeah. You know, in the in the book series, it's presumed that it's a, it's a golem that killed him because they found they find him literally in pieces in the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the golem. Yeah. Not to get too far ahead, but I 
hope we see the golem. That would be so cool. In the series in the TV series. I hope we see it. I hope so too. That would be awesome. I it's like a key part of Matt's plot. So like in the same way that there's a like Masema stuff is like essential to Perrin. I'm like, we gotta do something with Matt. Matt has the dagger and Morden to it and not Morden. More death. More death. Thank you. More death. More death. The most trustworthy person to accept a dagger from. <laughs> oh, oh, Matt. <laughs> yeah, the goblin just, its you know, roots are in Jewish traditions, and the use of it kind of makes me feel a little, mm, but it's not like the only cultural appropriation in the books. I mean, the whole thing is just cultural. <laughs> There's so much cultural appropriation in Wheel of Time. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those things to where it's kind of, at this point, it's a product of its time. So I feel they would probably adapt it a a little better for the TV show. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that, like this one in particular, feels like wasn't necessarily handled with as much care. Yeah. Yeah. To go back to sort of the plot that is the climax of this episode, we get to Rand and Moiraine in the cell and Leanne is channeling the shield. Uh, Moiraine drops this casual dialogue that she has to channel to keep the shield in place. Important dialogue for stuff that happens later in this episode. Mm -hmm. Well, point before this happens, Lynn had come to talk to Moiraine about. Mm, Yes. Yeah. And he mentions like, have you ever felt like you wanted to kill yourself or just die? And like a bunch of things and they sort of make up to an extent like they have a you need to talk to somebody and i thought you would trust me if not her they make up ish (laughs) why are still pretty pissed at him yeah i mean it's ish not the full makeup yet but we're getting there yeah i'm glad you brought that scene up doll because we did skip over it because it's before moiraine comes in to see swan and, and rand with when swan has rand shielded yeah and i feel like that scene is when land starts to realize like wait a minute moiraine is not actually stilled and i feel like that's where he like starts to put the pieces together yeah it is and like that's why we'll get to him in a little bit but that's why he goes and does what he does yeah back with rand and moiraine in the cell rand says that the he learns that the forsaken want him to be in form so that he can declare himself before they kill him and he's like well if they need me in form they're not gonna want me in a cell here and so he crafts what I think is the most hilarious plot, which is to go into the dream world and ask Lanfear for help. <laughs> hilarious to me, um, especially because the way that he asks Lanfear to get him out is like, he says it like all is one word at first. He's like, can you get me out? <laughs> like real soft. <laughs> Lanfear is like pretending to be unwilling to help him, but she definitely wants to help him. She just like wants to coax more and more out of him. And like she eventually gets enough from him uh, and decides to do the most unsubtle thing possible, mm-hmm. which is blow up the foregate. <laughs> we finally get to see the foregate burn. Yes. Yeah, because she's just walking and throwing fire casually down the <laughs> Yeah, just just a flick of the wrist, fireball, fireball, fireball. She goes to the front gate, blows them up, is just so bored about it. Her outfit, though, looks insane in this episode, or this part. She looks so good. Mm-hmm. I just love the the difference in just level of power usage between current era Aes Sedai and Age of Legends Aes Sedai. It's not, it, no contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a great... The scene at the very end of this episode is a great example of like 
really doing showing how strong everyone is relative to everyone else. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people complain that they're not showing it right, but I'm like, I don't know what you're seeing because the casualness with which Lanfear is flicking fireballs left and right without a thought Mm -hmm. is the casualness with which she opens the gateway, the the way gate later, which takes Moiraine. We're jumping ahead, but takes Moiraine like a solid minute of channeling, and Lanfear is just like flick open. Yeah, like yeah. There's could could. Could this be the inverted weaves we've so heard about? Maybe. Mm, um, no, that's just her being able to do it more talented. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After Lanfear struts around, um, we cut to Maxim looking at himself in his dagger, which is so funny. Um, and he is like, I can't believe we have to fight the... F-. Like, Alana comes in with Lan. He's like, I can't believe we have to fight the Forsaken. And Alana, to her credit, is like, who did you think we were going to fight at the last battle? Kittens. Exactly. <laughs> like, kittens. And she kisses him on the forehead to, like, kind of soften the blow. But she's definitely like, sir... <laughs> I didn't bond you to fight like bunny rabbits. We gotta, we, you gotta get it together. It's like an army of kittens. Yeah, it's so cute. I love that line. Lan, meanwhile, is going to go see Logan. Logan is super rude to Lan. He says that Stones is not a gentleman's game. And I'm like, Logan, Lan is a king. Be polite, but whatever. And Lan starts like, interrog- like trying to get Logan to tell him like what do you when you look at Moiraine what do you see he offers to give him the key for Loghain's freedom and Loghain has a great and also hilariously acted explanation for what the weaves look like that they look like that is a bundle of weaves all tied off together Um, and he takes his cloak and he does this little like he's like I don't know it just looks like this and he like bunches his cloak together so funny and then there is a fire in the foregate more like 20 but sure and Lan runs off to go help and he takes the key away because he's real pissed at Loghain because Loghain is being very rude which yeah okay Lan and Moiraine are are, they're still connected like (laughs) their team takes give things to Loghain and then take them away (laughs) yeah there was also one line where um when he asks about the key he says he hasn't forgotten what he did to Karini and Stepan and that there are two browns at the tower or desperate to study him Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just thought like that was a a good little jab at Loghain yeah I, I wonder if we're going to get Logan back in the tower next season. I feel like we kind of need to in order for some other plots to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to be there for certain things to happen. You know, in the books, yeah. The TV show, maybe not, but yeah. we've spoiled the end of the book series. All right. <laughs> when the tower fractures, Logan needs to be there to get Swan out of the, out of the tower and out of the city. Yeah, exactly. So that's, we can have Swan and Leanne and Logan together. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's all going to happen in Korean. They're all there. It definitely could happen in Korean because they're all there. But I could also see now that they have all of these Aes Sedai and now that they don't, Moiraine doesn't need Logan in Korean anymore. I could see them being like, okay, we're taking Logan back to the tower. And then that's where Elida runs into them. We'll see. I feel like we're going to see the aftermath of all this and it's going to lead to the splitting of the tower because somebody's going to have to answer to it because the word that Lanfear was marching through a foregate looking for Ran the dragon reborn and the Amerlin hasn't told anybody is going to have repercussions mm-hmm. especially because like now it's not only Moiraine and Swan who know Varen also knows Alana also knows and we see that Varen knows because she goes down to and doesn't quite lie but doesn't not lie to Leanne as Maureen says, she's very careful with her words. <laughs> yep. 
that Leanne is needed to go defend the city. She's going to take the shield. This, I think, is the like book re- or the show kind of referring to that one scene where like Varen lies about Moiraine sending her and Moiraine is like, I never sent her. And it's like really subtle, but it's like that first hint that like Varen can lie. But she didn't lie because she said the Armorwin needs all the Aes Sedai that can be spared to go help her. And Leanne's like, I'm shielding him. And she says, this is an order. She did not say it was an order from the Amarlin. Varen is ordering her to go. Yeah, I agree. I, it's not actually a lie. It's not. That's why I think it's a, a reference, but not quite the same thing. It's, it's the Aes Sedai twist of the words. Yeah. As soon as Leanne leaves, so Varen takes the shield. As soon as Leanne leaves, Varen drops the shield and Rand and Moiraine and Varen all leave. They get the Ogier map. They go and find the Waygate. Alana and Tomas and Lan all show up, which I'm very proud of us for predicting that they were going to go to the Waygate and Kyrian. Good job. Good job, guys. There is a brief interaction between Alana and Rand, which made my skin crawl. <laughs> I do not ever want them on screen together. Ever, 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 ever. <laughs> Every time it happens, I'm like, get him, get away from him. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick. Yep. Luckily, the show agrees with me. They split off. Moiraine and Lan and Rand go and run to the Waygate. We see this really cool scene of Swan and Leanne and like a ton of other Aes Sedai channel air and water. Leanne wasn't there yet. Hmm? She wasn't there yet. Leanne comes in as they're doing it. Yeah. True. Leanne comes up like, as yeah, right after. And like they channel rain in order to get the foregate to stop burning. I love the weaves in this scene. They look so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. There is definitely a brief interaction between Leanne and Swan where Swan is like, why are you here? If you're not on Rand, like who's watching Rand? And Leanne is like, Varen? You sent Varen? And Swan doesn't say no, but she's like, the wheels are starting to turn. Mm -hmm. We get to Lan and Rand and Moiraine at the Waygate. And Moiraine is like, Rand, you have to channel it open. And Lan is like, no, you're going to. And he tells Rand how to see the, sh- the tied off shield on Moiraine and how to break it. And I was so, I was like, oh, Lan has so much faith in Moiraine and so much faith in her and like so much faith in Rand too. It's great. How did Rand go all of this time without seeing it? Because he doesn't know what he's looking at yet. That's true. Yeah, he's, he doesn't know anything. Like, he struggles to see it. If Lan, Lan, too many names that sound too similar. Yeah. <laughs> if Lan had not said anything, I don't think Lan, Rand would have seen it. I agree. Because he, he, he sort of squints and he goes, oh yeah, I, I see, I think, you know, like that. He's very much just learning to see what he's seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Rand figures out that he needs to use air and or fire and either air or spirit and or spirit. I couldn't quite tell. Which one's white? White is spirit. And then it's fire and spirit. Fire and spirit. Because I said it looked like a pokeball. (laughs) Especially when the taint starts coming in and going around it. I'm like, it's a freaking pokeball. And that makes a lot of sense that it would be air and spirit to cut through a sh- or uh, yeah. sorry fire and spirit to cut through a shield. Also essential that lands that God, you're right. Too many names that sound the same. <laughs> essential that Rand learns this technique early so that he can have this for later. Yeah, he cuts through my rain shield. I love that the little like spear thingy is like really shaky in the visualization. Mm-hmm. Like he's very unsure on what he's doing. Yeah. And you're, there's like that momentary, is he going to accidentally impale Moraine with this? Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, is he gonna miss? <laughs> like, this could be real bad. This is like brain surgery, and Rand doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, but he cuts the shield successfully without hurting my rain. Um, and she can channel and like, oh, it looks so good. It's so good to have my rain channeling again. I've missed this. She like her face is just elation. Mm-hmm. We all knew coming into the season that she was shielded and not still, right? Yes. Right. I felt so vindicated. <laughs> it's like it's a tied off shield. Right? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it hasn't made sense. I was so pleased. <laughs> they they gave they gave it away at the when they showed Ishmael's or Ishmael's hand that it was a shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and she didn't lie when she said she was stilled. She thought she was stilled. You can say truth if you believe it is true, even if it is not capital T truth. Yeah. So. Like, oh, I felt so vindicated. <laughs> I was like, I was like, did full touchdown arms. I was like, yes. <laughs> like, the the fireplace scene in a previous episode to where uh, she was having that conversation with somebody. On bear? Yeah. And she, she was trying to lie. I, I feel like she was trying to lie in that situation. She found that she couldn't. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I still think she was just trying to figure out what to say. I'm going to stand by that statement. Yeah, I don't. She couldn't lie, and that to me was the biggest proof that that she was shielded and not stilled. I still don't think there was any scene in which she really looked like she was trying to lie. When she was like, "This is dot 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 Rand," she's definitely trying to figure out a good explanation for who Rand is. She's trying to figure out how to introduce him. Like, how would she introduce him? She's just trying to figure out. How- uh, this is a friend, not a friend. This is a relative, a long lost relative. Not true. Like, this is. Somewhat important, I guess. He is a long relative. <laughs> like, he is related to her. I suppose that is true. Like, she is related to him. They just don't know it. Technically, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. Distant what what is it? Isn't she like technically his aunt, great aunt, or something like that? Yeah, I think she's his great aunt. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? The Skywalker saga? <laughs> but yeah, like I think she just wasn't sure how to introduce him without giving too much information because she couldn't lie and that was just her thinking importantly too in this scene she tells rand before he cuts the shield that she trusts him and she has not that she had not trusted anybody else this entire show like there's an earlier scene in like season one episode seven where she's like I when I first met you guys, she's talking to the Emmonsfield five and she's like when I first met you guys I didn't trust you and now I've gotten to know you and I'll speak plainly. <laughs> like she can't tell them that she trusts them because she still doesn't. So it was like so moving to see that she trusts Rand now. Yeah. Which is great. Uh however, unfortunately, while they're as they're gonna go into the Waygate, Swan comes out of nowhere and shields Rand and then knocks out Lan, which I don't think she should be able to do. The show plays real fast and loose with using the one power as a weapon. Uh, she definitely uses air as a weapon to throw Lan and knock him out. Yeah, I don't know. Like You could make a case where she was using it to keep him from attacking her. I could see that. I have a different theory. My theory is that she thinks that Lan and Moiraine are dark friends. Yeah, that's what I'm that kind of what I was getting at, but I didn't. Not specifically. I think she thought she was a th- he was a threat. Yeah, I think I do think she does think they're dark friends though. Because she straight up says, "Marlene, you lied to me." Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't. Like you literally just missed." Yeah, like I didn't. I can't. I literally can't. We did miss one thing. I wanted to say, like Lan, after the moment of like elation, and he looks at her and says, "I apologize for taking so long to do my duty." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, yes, perfect." I love, I love them. I love Lan and Marlene being together. Yeah. 
being on the same team, being on the same page. It's been so needed. The swan doesn't necessarily like order Moiraine at first to close the way gate, although close the way gate definitely sounds like an order to me. But like, sure, I guess it's not until she says like, Moiraine Damodrad closed the way gate and then the oath like has to work on her. I think the difference was she asked, the first one could have been her asking. It was when she said, I swan Sanchen, the Amberlin seat, order you to do this. Then that weird oath that she made her take. Their wedding oath. Yeah. Forces her to close the way gate. Yeah. Like, and I love the way that that looks, the way that the like spirit comes out and kind of like forces her to do the weave. It looks super super cool Mm -hmm. they are definitely breaking up this scene maureen's face when she says if you ever loved me do not do this is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. yeah like second saddest scene of the series yeah i would agree with that it is really sad and then the first one is next episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah true we'll get there uh, near the end of my rain and swans conversation, Landfair walks in, you know, because we didn't have enough chaos right. <laughs> um, in this scene. <laughs> yeah, just just struts in looking like a million bucks. Swan has like a bigger version of her swords go- flying behind her, uh, her swords of air flying behind her. And Landfear just knocks her out immediately. Like this scene does is so cool for showing the different levels of power. Like, yeah. Rand is, like, struggling to, like, break Moiraine's shield, and then Moiraine takes a long time to open the waygate. Swan can, like, easily, still easily shield Rand, easily knock Land off his feet, but then can easily be bodied by Landfear, who then can easily open the waygate. Like, if there was any doubt about what the rankings of power were in this scene, the scene, like, clears it up immediately. Yeah. Lanfear flicks her wrist, reopens the waygate, and says that a broken Omerlin is more useful to her than a dead one. Great setup for next season, where if Swan is broken, Swan has lost the Dragon Reborn to to the Forsaken. Like the Dragon Reborn is working with the Forsaken. She has seen it with her own eyes because Rand tells Lanfear, like, I need your help. And like, you know, if you want my help, then you'll do what I say. So she sees the Dragon Reborn helping the Forsaken, lets him go, has also lost the daughter of Erevandor, which will specifically piss off Elida. Mm -hmm. This is a great story point for Elida to come in and do the deed. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, like, they have done so much good setup for, like, why Swan is going to be deposed. Yeah. Yeah, like, much better than the books, I think. Like, Swan is deposed in the books for, like, things that feel a little bit, like, wishy-washy and arbitrary. This is, like, crystal clear. Like, Swan has done, has screwed up in these major ways in a very short period of time and is super hurt like she yeah. probably can't be Omerlin anymore like she's again got serious head trauma head trauma all around really the Oprah of head trauma this show you get head trauma you get head trauma, you get head trauma. <laughs> okay. yep exactly <laughs> yeah so then they they go into the way gate and Juan says Moiraine please and then Lan says Moiraine please and like Moiraine, you can see Moiraine is torn between like her duty and like the woman she loves and she chooses duty of course I can't remember if it was then or when she ordered her, but you see the flashes of their relationship. Yeah, it's so sad. Definitely a breakup episode. Mm -hmm. Definitely a breakup. And that is the end of the episode. I am kind of glad that they didn't lean into the whole since they encountered Machin Shin in season one, that it's not following Rand around away gates now to kind of gate off that as a mode of travel until stuff comes in later. I guess that means we're probably not getting portal stones, but I think it's okay at this point. Yeah, I don't think we're getting portal stones. I think we might still get them. 
Maybe. Maybe not in the way that we we experienced them in the books, but it'll still be fun to see them. The show also really leaned into the Waygates in season one. So I don't think I was I don't think I knew you guys at this point when they were first doing season one marketing. But there was a poll on Twitter that came out before season one was ever released of like, what should be the official Wheel of Time Twitter avatar? Should it be the snake eating its own tail or should it be the Waygate design? And of course, the fans were like, it should be the snake eating its own tail. What are you doing? (laughs) But like the Waygate was like a key part of their marketing for season one. And they continue to like have Waygates throughout. So I feel like they're going to continue to lean into the Waygates and not use portal stones, at least until traveling becomes much more prevalent. Uh, We might get a flicker flicker, but I seriously doubt it. I don't know. We'll see. I do want to point out that um, in the last episode, we talked about, I mean, we've talked about it in several episodes about whether or not we're going to tear. And since we took a week off of recording, we know they aren't going to tear. I know we're not going to tear. That's okay. I can be wrong about everything else. As long as I was correct that my rain was shielded and not stilled, I will, I could be wrong about everything else. But I wanted to put it on record that I went back after we recorded that episode and I, I looked at that interview where they were saying this scene take is important. I thought we did that. We did that in the episode. We did it after we recorded. Oh, right. So I want to do it on recording. But when we went back and looked at the video of that interview and they're sitting in the room and we were debating if that was in form or in tear, it wasn't until we were, I sat there and watched it frame by frame where I was. They're sitting in the middle of the arches from the Isodite or the accepted test in Tarvon. <laughs> so we had all this debate over whether or not <laughs> they were going to tear because we thought that's what they said in that video. Yep. I just thought it was the stone, but yeah, it's the arches. I, I think we all did. <laughs> I think he said something to the effect of something very important happens in this room. Yeah, and we thought it was the stone. <laughs> and that is technically true. And it did. Something very important happened in that room. Not quite as important as what we thought, but you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I didn't want to put it on record. <laughs> we're idiots. Yep. yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. We'll get to tear someday. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe we'll only see it in the background of episode six, of the cold open of episode six. We'll never get to the stone of tear. <laughs> no calendar. <laughs> yeah. It has to get talent- calendar at some point. It's true. Like we need calendar. Yeah. Anything else that we want to talk about with this episode? No, I think we've talked about everything. Nope. I think we've pretty much covered it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Tarvalon Talks. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email to producer.tvt at gmail.com. Or you can join us on tarvalon.net. In our general forums, we have a special thread called Tarvalon Talks pinned at the top of the page. You can also chat with us via tarvalon.net's Discord server in the Tarvalon Talks Discord channel. Stay tuned for our next episode where we discuss episode 8, the season finale of season 2 of the TV show. See you then!